Good morning, guys. My name is Chris. I'm one of the partners here at Church at Cane Bay. I'm excited to, to share with you guys this morning. Um, I want to start off letting you know I'm, I'm kind of a, a guy, I'm a little on the weird side maybe. I enjoy doing yard work. Um, some, some guys don't, some guys do. Um, give me some, some earbuds, give me some music, and I will cut grass, I will cut bushes all day long. I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, I kind of take pride in the way my yard looks a little bit, but I've come to the realization that my front yard looks really nice, uh, flowers and grass, a lot of grass, no weeds, etc. And then my backyard is a little, little on the shaggy side, a lot of weeds and that kind of thing. It's kind of like a mullet yard, like business up front, looks good up front, the backyard, not, not so much. Um, but this past week, me and my kids were in the backyard enjoying some of the glorious sunshine that we've finally gotten after what seems of months of rain and rain and rain. Um, and we were in the backyard, and my daughter calls to me frantically. She's like, Daddy, Daddy, come here, come here. It's a spider. It's a spider. Now, me, I'm not a huge fan of spiders. Spiders, spiders aren't really my thing, so I'm left with a decision do I go rescue my daughter from impending doom of a spider, or do I just kind of let her figure it out? Me being the courageous father that I am, I go over and I, I assess the situation, expect to rescue her from the, the evil spider. And I, I walk over and I look on the ground, and this is what I see. It's not a spider. It's one of those pesky weeds. But it looks kind of like a spider, little legs coming out, purple legs, and she, she was in fear, pointing at it, wouldn't get close to it. It's a spider, Daddy, get it. So I, I take her and her brother, they, they are three and a half years old, so that factors into the situation here. Um, but I, I take them over close, and I, I touch it, and I say, no, baby girl, it's, it's just a weed. It's just a plant. And then they, they kind of crouch down and touch it, and they, Still, still fearful, like, Daddy, get it, pull it up. So I pull it up, I throw it in the woods behind my house, and then, then my, my daughter, who looks at me, kind of puts her hand on her hip a little bit and says, Daddy, I'm going to pick up all the spiders because I'm brave. I don't know where she heard this term brave from. I don't know where that came from, but she, she knew what it meant. She clearly knew what it meant. She had overcome the fear of that little weed there, that she originally thought was a spider, and she proceeded to pull up half the weeds in my backyard. So I was kind of okay with that. She understood the idea of bravery, the idea of, of courage. We use this term brave to describe somebody who has courage. Courage is, is basically defined as being able to act in spite of a fear. Being able to act in spite of a fear. Whether that fear is erased or whether that fear is still there, you're still acting in spite of that fear. See, we live in a world today that is wrought with fear. There are so many fears out there, whether it's something as simple as, as me and spiders that don't mix, whether it's fear of heights, fear of speaking in front of a bunch of people, whether it's fear of getting sick, fear of death, fear of rejection from your peers, Oftentimes, we base our decisions, sadly, on those fears. We won't act because of those fears. We're scared. Those fears prohibit us from doing, oftentimes, what we should do. 
What if we as Christians based our decisions on a courage founded in the power of Jesus rather than cowering in fear? See, I feel on a daily basis we're prone to blend in and conform with everybody else, look like everybody else, but what if we radically risked everything for the name and mission of Jesus? See, in the book of Acts that we've been studying so far this year, Peter and John, they had reason to fear. They were followers of of this figure named Jesus. They were Jesus followers, and Jesus had just been brutally murdered on a cross. The religious leaders of that day were not fans of Jesus at all. They wanted his teachings squelched. They wanted his followers imprisoned. They wanted nothing to do with this Jesus. Peter and John had reason to be scared. I'll give you a little bit of a, a backtrack through Acts if you haven't been with us. In the first chapter, we see Jesus ascending back to heaven. He rises up to heaven. He tells his, his apostles before he leaves, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, which is the surrounding area of Jerusalem, kind of, and to the ends of the earth. Then we see in Acts 2, we see the events of Pentecost, violent wind, the arrival of the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire, people speaking in in languages, foreign languages, yet everybody present being able to to understand those languages. A real, real crazy kind of time. End of chapter 2, the author of Acts, Luke, states that many signs and wonders will be done by the apostles. And that's kind of where we pick up in chapter 3 today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be in uh, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up here on the screen. Or if you have a smartphone, you can go to your Holy Bible app um, under events and follow along with us there. But Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 is where we're going to be. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for for each one of us here this morning. God, I pray that you will stir in our hearts this morning to not act in a spirit of fear, but in a spirit of courage. God, let us recognize areas of our life where we may be fearful, where we may be scared. And God, in so give us the courage to act that your name may be glorified above all others. God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to read these first couple verses one more time, so follow along with me. Verse 1, now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. This is interesting to me. 
I told you Peter and John had reason to be scared, yet they're still kind of following along with Jewish tradition. Tradition said there were three times of prayer, and they're still going to the temple along with the other Jews, many of whom didn't follow Jesus, but they're still attending these routines. Verse number two, a man who was lame from birth was being carried there. Now, this is important. This man was not somebody who had recently gotten injured or had some sickness that made him not be able to walk. He was lame from birth. He hadn't been able to walk for what we find out later in the the book was over 40 years. So for 40 years, however long, this man had basically been carried to this spot because he couldn't walk and he would beg for money. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them expecting to get something from him. See, this is point number one for you this morning. Peter had the courage to look where no one else was looking. Peter had the courage to look where no one else was looking. We go throughout our days constantly passing people by. Constantly passing people by. Kids, if you have your papers, your crayons, you get to enjoy some of my horrible drawing this morning, guys. I, sadly, God gives us different gifts and everything, and he never gifted me with any artistic ability at all. But this morning, kids, if we'll start off, let's draw a little face and have him just kind of looking down. Horrible, horrible drawing. Um, but looking down, kind of like Peter and John did here. This man was sitting here for however long, however many days a week, however many years he had been sitting there, and hundreds if not thousands of people walked by him on a daily basis, never noticing him. Maybe giving some money here and there just to make themselves look better or make sure other people saw them giving money. But he was constantly passed by. His needs were constantly ignored. His problems weren't cared about by the people around him. Constantly passed by. And yet, we do that every single day. Coming here to church this morning, how many of your neighbors did you drive by? Maybe the neighbor down the street who just lost his job. Maybe the single mother who's wondering how she's going to get through the coming week balancing kids in virtual school and her job. Maybe the person down the road whose parent is in the hospital with COVID. Whatever it is, we pass by these guys every single day. We pass by these guys every single day. I have an opportunity um, with my work. I have to go to the bank every day, make a deposit. I see this same bank teller on a daily basis, same guy. Wears a Carolina Panthers mask. We'll talk football or something. Oftentimes when I go to the bank, I'll go grab a cup of coffee as well. I'll see the same barista almost on a daily basis. How often do I take the time to actually engage them? Besides your your basic surface level kind of conversation saying, oh, talking about football or the weather, et cetera. We don't engage people. We, We come in contact with people on a daily basis and it's just a surface level. We don't like to get messy. We don't like to engage that that brokenness. We live in a world of people who are suffering people who have problems, people who have struggles, and we don't like to approach that. 
It's scary. We don't know if we'll have the answers, if we, if we can help the situation. That, that makes us uncomfortable. I, I work at Moe's. Um, most of you probably know that. Some of you might not. Some of you are like, that's where I've seen that guy before. People come in, order food, and we give them the regular, welcome to Moe's. They come up to the line, order food and everything, and I'll be like, hey, how are you today? And 50% of the response is, I want a burrito. Okay, thanks, thanks for listening. The other 50% who are actually listening, they'll re- most of them will respond by, yeah, I'm doing good. I want a burrito. Okay. All right. A few months ago, I had a customer come in, and I asked him how he's doing today, and he started spilling his guts. He starts telling me how awful his day had been, how, how awful his morning had been. He had just had to put his son into rehab, had all of this different stuff happening. And I'm just standing there like, do you want chicken? Like, I, 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 was, I was so distraught. Like, I didn't know how to react in that moment. His brokenness completely threw me off, made me uncomfortable, and I didn't know how to engage it. I I was scared. Like, part of me is thinking, like, I have 15 people behind this guy in line. I need to serve them in a timely manner. I want to help this guy, but I have have, have more important things to do at this point. That brokenness scares us. That brokenness makes us uncomfortable, and oftentimes we run the other way. Oftentimes when encounters with that brokenness occur, we don't engage it. We'll look the other way. We'll intentionally run from that brokenness sometimes because it scares us. What if Peter and John had looked the other way that day? What if Peter and John had just walked right by the man? Guys, we have to have courage. We have to overcome that fear of engaging that brokenness. We have to look at people. It's interesting that Peter stated here, he said, look at me. He said, look at me. When you're looking at somebody, when you're you're telling them, you know what, you matter. I care about you. I care about what you're going through. You matter to me. You have value. But oftentimes, we don't even look. We just pass on by. We react out of that fear of that awkward engaging that brokenness and we just go the other way. We don't take the time to stop and look at people and engage those people that we pass by every single day. So we move on to to verse chapter, verse number six. The first half, Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. So I'm curious what the beggar was thinking at this point. He, he was clearly there begging for money, did this on a regular basis, was probably pretty good at it, and all of a sudden these guys stop him and say, look at me, guess what, though, partner, I don't have any silver or gold. He's probably, what in the world are you wasting my time for then? Like, move on, let me, let me beg from somebody else. But Peter comes back and says, what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. And the key here was Peter knew that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, was more valuable than that silver or gold. The good news of Jesus Christ was more valuable than anything he could give the man. Whether or not he had the silver or gold didn't matter. He had something that was more valuable than that. Point number two, Peter was courageous enough 
to give the man what he truly needed. We need to be courageous enough to give people what they truly need. And as Christians, we know that is the good news of the gospel. That trumps everything and anything else that we could try to put before it. So kids, if you have your crayons and papers, you get to see ugly drawing number two. This is a guy with his eyes open, looking up, seeing the gift that's, that's about to be given him. Guys, we, we don't value the gospel enough to where we give it out to people because we believe that that's what is most valuable. How different would our lives be if we lived like the gospel was worth everything? How different would our lives look if we were willing to risk our social status, if we were willing to risk our acceptance by others by giving them the gospel? If we overcame our fear of talking to the next door neighbor who may not think the same way as us, is that coworker who we may not get along with, is that family member who just rubs us the wrong way, how much different would our lives look if we were willing to risk that stuff to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, this lame man, his need was twofold. So he needed Jesus, Peter and John knew that, but he also needed to walk. He also needed to walk. These opportunities, Peter stopped, looked at him. Peter wanted to give him what was the most valuable thing he could, but it gave him an opportunity to meet a physical need as well. You see, sometimes we have to be the arms and feet of Jesus in order to show them Jesus. In order to give us an opportunity to actually tell them about Jesus. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that physical need needs to be met as well. And we see, reading on in verse number 6, that that's exactly what Peter did. Second half of verse 6 says, Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter was courageous to speak the name of Jesus. Point number three, we need to be courageous enough to speak the name of Jesus. Jesus was not a popular term at this point. Like I had stated earlier, Peter and John had reason to fear. They had reason to be scared by following Jesus. Yet Peter stepped up and used that name, invoked that power, and by the power of Jesus Christ, this man's ankles and feet were strengthened, and he stood up. Drawing number three for the kids with the crayons, their mouth is open, speaking. Speaking the name of Jesus. That name carries power. That name is the, the being who was the, the greatest healer the world has ever known, conquered death, came back to life. There is no name higher than that name. Paul says in Philippians 2.9, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name. See, what's, what's in a name? What's in a, a title? Like me, I'm, I'm the Mose guy. If I were to stand up here, on stage and tell you, guess what? February 28th, National, National Nacho Day. You shall go home and everybody eat nachos. Majority of you aren't going to pay that any mind. 
Don't even care. Maybe you'll have nachos. I hope you do. But it, it, my weight, me saying that carries no weight to it whatsoever. For the sake of the argument, though, if the king of England or if the president of the United States, somebody with some power, somebody with that, that authority behind their name makes some kind of decree, makes some kind of statue like that, people listen. Those names carry weight. Those names carry authority with them. The name of Jesus trumps every single one of those names. There is no name with more power and more authority in it than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. See, we live in a world today where the, the idea of God is thrown around very often. You watch any kind of sporting event where somebody just won a championship or the Grammys or the Oscars, everybody wants to thank God. I, th I thank God for this. I thank God for this. But oftentimes I think that's a vague idea that people think he's a being out there that, that has little to no effect on my life whatsoever. We as Christians need to put a name and a face with that God, and that name is Jesus Christ. We have to put a name and face with that God. In a world that desperately needs Jesus, we need to make sure that their idea of God is not an obscure or generic idea, but it is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he is the only one who can bring that hope that's needed. He is the only one that can bring that courage that's needed. He is the only one that can bring that power, that trust, that fulfillment that everybody in this world is looking for. And guys, you and I have access to that name. You and I have access to tell our neighbors about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And oftentimes we're scared to do so. Oftentimes we're fearful of doing so because whatever, whatever fear, whatever reason, we need to have courage like Peter did to speak up and to speak the name of Jesus to those around us. So what was the result of Peter's courage? We pick up verse number 7. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. The man leapt up. The man who had not walked in 40 years all of a sudden was able to stand. Now, side note, I have to be a, a little bit in awe of Peter and John's amount of faith that they had because it said Peter gave him a hand and helped pull him up. Like, what amount of faith do you have to have to believe that you're about to pull a man up and, who's never walked before and he's going to be able to walk? The man leapt up. He follows Peter and John into the temple yelling, running, telling everybody, Jesus healed me, Jesus healed me. You see, this man had had an encounter with the power of Jesus, and that gave him the courage to tell other people. Peter and John had spent three years previously seeing the power of Jesus, and they see him brutally murdered, come back to life. They had encountered the power of Jesus over and over, and that was what gave them the courage to speak up here in Acts chapter 3. And that courage ended up being contagious. Billy Graham, the, the great preacher of the, the 1900s, said, Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. Peter had courage to look at somebody who was passed by on a daily basis 
to tell them what they truly needed and to speak the name of Jesus. And that courage was contagious. And many, many other people that day heard the name of Jesus because of Peter's courage. Other people became courageous. And in the end of verse 10, we see everybody is left with awe and wonder and amazement. When we come into contact with the power of Jesus, that is the result, is that awe and wonder. God's name being glorified, the name of Jesus being glorified over every other thing. In closing this morning, I want to share a story. We had the opportunity several years ago to to go to Kenya. I'd never been out of the country before. Um, we we work Church of Cambay works with a, a group of missionaries on the ground in in Nairobi, Kenya, and um, have a partnership with them. And this is one of the first trips we took over there. And uh, like I said, I'd never been out of the country before, much less anywhere that didn't speak English or just that that foreign foreign concept. And uh, the first day we get there after traveling for almost 24 hours on a plane, you're tired, you're worn out, and uh, we're told we're going to go into one of the slum areas of Kenya and, and just canvas, just talk to people, just reach out. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I can't speak Swahili. I don't know what I'm going to be. I'm not comfortable in this situation. Like, this is scary. It's a slum. Like, people don't have little to anything, how in the world am I going to be able to make a difference there? We split up into groups where we're given partners with other Kenyan believers, and, um, and I was kind of the odd guy out, so it ended up being me and a guy named Julius, who was a believer there in Kenya. I still actually have a little bit of contact with Julius today, and um, it, it's interesting we went to, to go out into this area of Nairobi, and Julius grabs my hand. Made me a little bit more uncomfortable. I was already kind of on edge, but it was a sign of confidence from him. And we stopped, and we prayed. And we said, Jesus, give us opportunities to share your love with these people in this area. God, help us see those opportunities. Help us not to walk right on by. Help us to see those opportunities and be able to share your name with somebody here in Nairobi. And you know what was really super cool? People came out to us. People reached out to us. People came up to us. People invited us into their homes. People invited us into their businesses. And we had opportunity after opportunity to share the name of Jesus that day. My question to you is why does that have to be a mission trip thing? Why can't that be a happen in America thing? Why can't that be a happen in Somerville thing, a happen right here in Cane Bay thing? Guys, We have to be courageous. We have to step up. We have access to the same power that Peter and John had, access to the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And there is nothing out there that is more powerful than that. We have access to the greatest God you can ever even imagine. And he is more valuable. He is worth more than anything out there. And we have to tell all these people around him. We have to have the courage to step up and tell them.
Because if they don't hear it from us, who are they going to hear it from? Let's pray. As your, your heads are bowed, I want you to think real quick. I don't want you to go out this room. If you go out this week and you speak to 500 people, awesome. But that's a, that's a daunting task. Let's start with opportunity.